Uh, Dan is usually with us. Yesterday he had um, something going on with, with Troy, where, of course, he is the women's play-by-play announcer. But apparently he uh, wasn't feeling well. Hopefully he doesn't have the flu. Man, there is a lot of that going around. I do know that in my, uh, my position over on campus, got a lot of, of our employees that are out with the flu or flu-like symptoms. So be very careful if you're out and about, I mean, you know, try to uh, uh, you know, keep the hands washed. Uh, you know, if, if somebody's coughing, be, be very careful. If you have to, cover your mouth. Um, so just be careful if you're out and about. Not that's, that's not the reason I'm not out today, but I'm here at, at home in the, the home studio, if you will. Drew's at the controls, and, and I, believe, I believe that uh, Drew may have locked Carter in, so... <laughs> with us for a little while here. Carter, man, I, I appreciate it on short notice you hanging around for the first uh, the, the first hour or so. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I'm hey, I'm 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 just here to help and uh, I I heard that there was some uh, a little bit of a some some late notice, uh, some some shake up and I'm glad that I could step in and and kind of help out here. Yeah, Dan apparently has uh, been under the weather all day and and um, you know, sleep is one of the best things you can do yeah. for rest and sleep when when you're not feeling well and yeah he he uh, let us know about an hour ago that he wasn't feeling well so uh we, we'll be okay carter will will hang around here we've got some audio we'll run a little later on bruce pearl previewing the regular season opener on monday and uh you know speaking of of being under the weather i mean it's it's not the uh, it's not auburn in the greatest of shape heading into george mason on Monday night, as Janai Broom is in a boot with a sore ankle, he, the Bruce Pearl saying that they hope he will play Monday, but that's yet to be determined. Uh, Alan Flanagan is out with a stomach virus. Hope it's just a stomach virus. Sound like Alan looked really good in the exhibition mm-hmm. game the other night. Jalen Williams out with a migraine, and uh, Jalen Harper has the flu. So um, it. it Probably won't be an Auburn team at 100% for the regular season opener Monday night against George Mason. So hopefully everybody else, hopefully everybody's doing all right. <laughs> you know, one thing you worry about is, you know, with as much of flu has been going around the campus, I wonder, you know, if, if there are any cases on the football team. Have not heard anything about that. You know, we really haven't had an opportunity. Carnell Williams, you know, Cadillac made his speaking debut as the coach of the Auburn Tigers on the Wednesday SEC teleconference, and then he was on Tiger Talk. But I haven't heard anyone ask really about the health of the team. So that may be a factor in the game against Mississippi State tomorrow night. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that kind of happens when you get to this point in the fall. Every year, somebody, teams have to kind of battle through it. I know uh, we were Jacob and I were doing – Lee Scott a few weeks ago, and they and they had an, an issue with that. But uh, hopefully, hopefully Auburn is is as healthy as possible going to Starkville, and then hopefully, hopefully the basketball team as they get ready for for Monday, they might get a guy or two back off that list. I I, I saw when all that came out, the Jani Broom uh, news didn't exactly shock me. You could kind of see no. him out there on the court. At times, he was limping around. He did not look a hundred percent at all. Frankly, I was a little bit shocked that he played in the game with the fact with how he looked just because it was the the exhibition game and it didn't really mean anything as far as how this season is going to play out. 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, ho- hopefully he didn't do anything to aggravate it. And the boot, a lot of times that's a precaution. Mm-hmm. So, so hopefully, yes, hopefully he's a little better come Monday night. We're just underway here on the Friday edition of The Drive. And hour number one of The Drive is brought to you, as usual, by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. They're also the sponsor of our hotline where we welcome your calls, questions, comments. And the Kia of Auburn hotline number is 334-321-1390. You can also text us. Drew will pass that information along. The uh, ESPN 1067 Drive text line uh, brought to you by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And that number is 334-564-564. 1840. A, another big weekend coming up. Let's see. We've got first round of the uh, AHSAA playoffs coming up tonight, and the Auburn High School Tigers hosting Fairhope tonight. And former Auburn High coach Tim Carter brings his Fairhope team in, a team that, as we were speaking with uh, Scott Bagwell yesterday, you know, Scott uh, said it's a little bit of a surprise that Fairhope finished number three in the region because they were a much more dangerous team. So it could be. A very interesting contest tonight over at the Duck. If you can't make it over, 6.30 the pregame, 7 o'clock kick on Wings 94.3. So that'll sort of get things uh, going for the local action here this weekend. We mentioned Auburn-Mississippi State tomorrow. There's some really interesting games around the SEC and the nation tomorrow. One that I didn't hear you guys talking about, but I, I wonder how much there will be, I wonder how many Auburn people will be watching the Arkansas-Liberty matchup mm-hmm. tomorrow with Hugh Freeze taking Liberty uh, in into uh, Fayetteville to take on Sam Pittman's Hogs. That was something that we, we, we talked about in the first hour, really, uh, on, on, on the line today, was with the situation around the Auburn coaching search, it seems like from the 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 way the way the buzz is out there and the, the way the wind is blowing that maybe Hugh Freeze is a little bit farther down the list right now behind Deion Sanders and Lane Kiffin at the top if he goes to Fayetteville and beats an Arkansas team that just beat Auburn and beat Auburn pretty handily yep. how much does that kind of springboard him up the list and put him in that conversation at the very top of this Auburn search. I mean, I think it's certainly a fascinating question. Oh, I think it would definitely get get create much more buzz mm-hmm. with you. And I, and I agree with you. I mean, we don't know right now. It's, it's sheer speculation because I don't think John Cohen has been passing out his lists to other folks of, of the, uh, the, the coaches that Auburn would be interested in. Right now, it's speculation and just best guesses mm-hmm. on a lot of folks' parts. But it is interesting to me how it seems like each day the lists sort of change a little bit. They morph a little bit. Play. Um, you'll see some coaches that appear to be moving up while others mm-hmm. are dropping down. Hugh Freeze was a name that, you know, when, when the announcement was made Monday that Auburn had made a change at head coach, Hugh was one of the first names mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it seems like as the week has gone on, other coaches have sort of passed him by. I don't know if that is is the case at all with John Cohen or uh, apparently Rich McGlynn is, is helping John Cohen in, in the preliminaries getting ready to uh, be in touch with the representatives of potential coaches. 
But yeah, I, I wonder if it's just well, other names come up and people go, well, maybe this person and there and there's more of a buzz about them because today it seems like the 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 hot riser today on the charts, if you will, is Dan Lanning. Yeah, yeah, it's that's that's an interesting one. He's somebody who obviously was the uh, DC at Georgia and was the the D the DC for what that that Georgia defense that might be the best defense we've seen in in a couple decades, but uh, yeah, and now one of the best we we have seen. Period. He's oh, a guy for sure. A young. I mean, he is young. Uh, he may have turned thirty six. He's either thirty five or thirty six. Played at a small school in Kansas, but uh, he has moved up from being a, a graduate assistant with Nick Saban at Alabama in either twenty fifteen or sixteen. He then went to Memphis, where he was a recruiting coordinator, then over to Georgia. And Kirby Smart has said he's one of the best recruiters he's ever had on his Georgia staff. And now, of course, a first-year head coach who's got his ducks in the top ten. Yeah, I mean, he's what he's done in year one has been so impressive. And honestly, because I felt like when I watched those Oregon teams before this year, the Achilles heel seemed to kind of be game management, and I feel like he's doing a lot better job than we saw Mario Cristobal do at Oregon previously. And then look at what he's done in terms of bringing in Bo Nix, somebody that a lot of people doubted, but he brought in Kenny Dillingham with Bo Nix, and that pair has turned that offense into I mean, almost an automatic 40 points every game, and Bo Nix is squarely in the Heisman conversation. Yeah, and he's going to be an early draft choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, right now, I expect him to go in the first two rounds. And and that's great for Bo, but it uh, sure, sure doesn't hurt Dan Lanning's status either. And people would say, well, he's in his first year there, and, and I believe he has about a $14 million buyout. But you look at the last few coaches at Oregon, and they have left in a hurry. Mm-hmm. I mean, Willie Taggart left after a year to go to Florida State. Now, that didn't work too well for Florida State. Mario Cristobal leaves after, what was it, three at Oregon to go to Miami. So, Dan Dan Lanning, I, I don't think there's any question he would love to be in the Southeastern Conference. Mm-hmm. But you, you worry, you wonder, well, how would Auburn handle that $14 million buyout? Well, I would say... If they're interested in Lane Kiffin, and it sure appears that Auburn's interested in Lane Kiffin, it's going to cost you more to get Lane Kiffin from the buyout point, and I think it's going to cost you a lot more per year to get Lane Kiffin than it would to get a Dan Lanning. Yeah, well, I actually think that I think Lanning's buyout might actually be, be bigger right now, but when you look at that, what you're going to have to pay on a yearly basis, I think that's where Lane Kiffin's contract, if he were to come to Auburn, would greatly outweigh what what Dan Lanning's would be. And to to your point earlier, he's 36. He's a young guy. I think he's done a good job filling out his staff. But when you look at his all-time list of commits in recruiting, it is littered with five stars, high five stars, and four stars. Like, N'Kobe Dean is the number two name on this list. Malachi Starks, who right now might be the best freshman corner in the conference and has been making big plays all over the place. He has stars that he has brought in and developed into that that Georgia defense, and it's a really, really impressive list. So you know, at the very least, if he were to become the head coach at Auburn, he's going to recruit at a level that you did not see under Brian Harson. Yeah, that that is something, and that's, again, with him only having been a full-time head coach, uh, excuse me, a full-time coach 
um, for the last five or six years with those five stars that you're talking about. So interesting that, that he's been at it. I'd love to toss this out for folks. Just give, I'd like people to give us their top three. I think we're going to get a lot of the same names, but I think it'll be really interesting to hear the order because obviously yesterday we talked a good bit about Dion. I mean, Lane has, has been the hot topic and, and there are people that, you know, have felt since mid season that Lane Kiffin had to be Auburn's top target. Just love to get folks ideas as to who would your one, two, three be You're you're John Cohen. You're, you're in charge. You're making that call. You're, you're making the calls. How would you have your list? And it doesn't have to be those guys by any means. Just give us your top three right now as uh, as as we approach this weekend with Cadillac getting his first shot mm-hmm. as head coach. We'll look at that. Want to talk a little bit about the SEC and you know something we mentioned after the uh, after the problem on the field there in Knoxville with Jermaine Burton and a fan. Now the SEC has brought together, going to create a group to try to determine what they can do to prevent things like that, keep fans from rushing the field. I really wonder, what can you do? What penalties are severe enough that you're going to be able to do that unless you start putting, um, unless you start putting either screens or plexiglass around the field like a hockey rink. What are you going to do? How do you? How are you really realistically going to pe- uh, keep the the fans in the stands? That's a fascinating question. the 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 idea of plexiglass. I wonder how that would affect the the environment at games. How does that oh, affect the the, the noise? Be terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know how you how you really keep it from happening. I mean, I saw pe- people joking on Twitter about like. What are you going to do, like make a moat around the field to make sure people can't just run out there in, 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 at any given time? I mean, you even saw it at the uh, World Series, I think, last night. You had a fan get out there on the field. Sure did. And, and well, one of the things that I've heard, and I, boy, I, I don't know that I'm crazy about this one either, is, you know, the, the fines are just a drop in the bucket. And, I mean, Tennessee was soliciting contributions as soon as the fans were on the field and uh, tore down the goalposts. And one of the suggestions that has been made that I've heard is to make this uh, to, to make this a criminal offense to be on the field. And anyone who is apprehended on the field will not only be arrested, but would lose for a period of time. The proposal was lose for a period of time any ability to buy tickets. That'd be tough to enforce when you have 100,000 people r- rushing yeah, the field. gets caught. <laughs> it would, would be it'd be like great. You hope you're you hope you're one of the ones that didn't collared. But if you are, how bad would it suck if you and a bunch of your friends were down there on the field? <laughs> and uh, so, sorry, you can't buy tickets for the next ten years or five years or whatever. Plus, you're doing a little jail time, and it's on your record. Wow, that would be that'd be certainly fascinating. I that would be. I wonder how how many if the thought would even cross like students minds at games in after big wins i don't think it would i think no. that they would take take their chances i don't think it would change all that much well and, and then another another proposal and this one i heard i heard this one on espn this morning uh, another proposal was if students were on the field and they were identified um they 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 are uh their grades were dropped for that semester in other words so you failed this semester if you're on the field and i thought boy that's a little that's a little rough 
But, uh, but I mean, folks are just trying to come up with something in case. Now, we're fortunate. There has not been, you know, any uh, anyone really seriously injured. But I could see where there could be. There could be there could be an idiot that jumps out of the stands that's got a knife or something like that that decides to do something crazy. And, you know, the, I understand the purpose, the idea behind this. I just don't know that there's anything that it that realistically can be done unless you just have either so much security all over the field. And still, some some folks are going to be able to get out there or you do something. You put up something that prevents people from getting there. I mean, what what are you going to do? Maybe put a little electric fence around the top of the stadium on the bottom row? I, I just, I don't know. But we, we'd love you, our listeners, to, to give us some suggestions. And again, give us your top three on your coaching list for Auburn right now. We're just getting underway. So much more for us to talk about this afternoon. It's Bill and Carter here in hour number one. Love for you to join in on the Kia of Auburn hotline here on the Friday Drive. Hey. You're live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. And welcome back into The Friday Drive. Bill and Carter in for an uh, and under the weather, Dan Peck, um, hopefully he'll be back in a few days. I believe he's off Monday anyway, but Brian Matthews should be in Monday as we'll look back at the entire weekend. Uh, Auburn, Mississippi State football and looking ahead to Auburn, George Mason basketball and the entire weekend around college football and everything else. That's coming up Monday, but right now, let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline and Keith gets us started. Hey, Keith. Hey, yeah, um, I was listening to a YouTube video uh, where uh, Lane Kiffin at one of his press conferences uh, was asked about the Auburn job, and, you know, he said that uh, he was flattered to be mentioned to about it, but uh, he said Auburn really ought to hire uh, Dion, and uh, he said that Dion would be a good fit for him, and, you know, I just wonder if uh, – if he was really interested, he would uh, recommend somebody else. I think but. Lane, well, the first thing is you got to remember they're off this week and their next game's Alabama. Lane, as, as sarcastic and, and, and as quick a wit as Lane has, uh, he, is, he is very serious when he's getting ready for certain teams, and Alabama is a game that means so much to him. I think, I think Lane was just sort of doing that as a, hey, y'all go mess with Dion for a while while I get ready for Alabama. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's exactly what it is. He just kind of trolls everybody, and uh, he he takes moments like that to to kind of de- deflect any any attention off himself and put it put it somewhere else because that's kind of just who he is, and that's kind of the, the the character that that Lane Kiffin is in these press conferences. Yeah, well, um, maybe so, but uh, you know, my uh, my first choice, as y'all already know, is is uh, Bill Clark, but. Uh, uh, Dion's kind of growing on me. I mean, if everybody, that's what everybody wants. But um, I don't know. Uh, I, I just don't think Lane Kiffin's going to jump ship. But, it, you know, I'd eliminate a lot of people pretty quick. You know, if uh, they'd have to send me uh, something uh, or 
a, a call or something to, to say that they were very, very interested in the job before I would, uh, you know, kind of stall on them. I mean, Keith, or, or wait on them. Keith, if you have Bill Clark number one, who are your two and three? Nah, whoever everybody else wants, man. I mean, that's just, <laughs> I just think that Bill Clark is, you know, I mean, he, he's a perfect fit, man. He, he's a, a great coach, Alabama. Uh, uh, you know, he knows Alabama in and out. He'd be a great recruiter. Could be a great recruiter. Knows all the coaches. And, uh, you know, I mean, but like I said, Dion's kind of growing on me. Uh, his uh, uh, comment about his bro- uh somebody asked him who is, uh, is Bo Jackson the fastest guy ever seen? And he said, no, it's his cousin Juju, or his, his cousin Juju, <laughs> a crackhead that could outrun everybody in, in, in the neighborhood. But uh, he's at Bo Jackson's second. So, you know, it's a uh, – he's kind of – that'd be funny. It would <laughs> be. be. Fun. Appreciate the call, Keith. Yeah, I, 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 I think that uh, Dion would be – is a name that is very, very popular right now among the Auburn fan base because everybody looks at the fact that there is going to have to be significant roster turnover. There is going to have to be an injection of talent. And I'm not sure anybody would be able to do it uh, maybe to the extent that Dion can. I mean, there there have been the stories all over uh, Auburn Rivals, Auburn, uh, Auburn 247, even Auburn Live on On3 where they're talking about they talk to these recruits, and about half of them, if not more, the first name out of their mouth is like, if they go get Dion, like, I'll flip, or like, I'd consider going there, or I'd commit to Auburn, that type of thing. And I think that's that's kind of indicative of the impact that he could have in, in re- recruiting, even in, even in the sh- two-week span before, uh, after the Iron Bowl to, to the early signing day period. Well, he's somebody that's at the front of everybody's mind. It would, it, it's really going it, to, it'll be interesting if Dion decides to leave Jackson State and go to a Power 5 school. It'll be interesting to see if that really is the case or if kids are just saying that. Because the other thing, I wonder, sometimes kids will say that thinking, it isn't going to happen, but that would be great. You know, so uh, somebody's, somebody's going to take that chance. And, and at some point, I don't know if Dion's ready to do it right now but at some point he'll want to go to the power five mm-hmm. and we'll see i don't doubt that no he will he will be uh immediately right at the front of everybody's list that doesn't mean he's going to get them all i mean you look at tennessee josh heupel sure wasn't that kind of a splash hire but man he has turned that roster around it's mm-hmm. it whoever it is he and his staff have to really understand the transfer portal have to um, have to have to know exactly where they can find things to fill the holes on whatever roster. And yes, it's it's. Uh, I think it's pretty easy to say Dion should be able to do that mm-hmm. as easily or more easily than anybody else, just because of the star status that he holds. But we were talking about Dan Lanning a little while ago. Um, you know, Lane, I don't think, gets enough credit for being a recruiter. He gets more credit Agreed. for being a transfer portal genius. But he's signed some big-time players as well. It's just at Ole Miss, uh, you can make a quicker fix at times with the transfer portal and you can't bring it in high schoolers. Absolutely. 100% agreed with that. All right. We'll get to our bottom-of-the-hour break. Yeah, we're just 
a quarter of the way into the show. Carter's around for a couple of more segments. Love to hear your top three. All right, it's early on. We're less than a week into the Auburn having the uh, vacancy there at the head coaching position. Who would be your top three? Doesn't mean you think that there's really a chance. Just you had any, you have you have three numbers that you can dial. Whose are they going to be? And love to get some ideas on how can you keep the fans off the field. The drive continues. 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 The drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the Friday Drive. Bill and Carter with you here on this Friday. A Carter around, uh, hanging out, making it a three-hour a three-hour tour today, huh, Carter? Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. You don't have anything going on tonight? Well, I I, I got to go work on uh, some some stuff that I have. I do a uh, a podcast covering Northwestern. I got to go do do some stuff for that tonight, and then I uh, I think I'm gonna re- relax because I don't have to call the uh, the the Lee Scott game because they they have their bye this week. Okay, well that that's good. Well, it's nice to be able to have a Friday night off. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I appreciate you hanging around. Hey, I just saw um, um, something that, that goes along with a couple of rumors that had been out there earlier today, and uh, that is that T.J. Finley is not with the Auburn football team in Starkville, not making the trip. That sort of follows a couple of rumblings that uh, we'd seen earlier during the day that T.J. expected to be perhaps the next Auburn player entering the transfer portal. Yeah, that, that doesn't shock me. I mean, even... Uh, I talked about it with with Jacob on 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 the line shortly after Robbie Ashford took the reins of the offense. That I just I didn't feel like T.J. Finley was going to be at Auburn next season. This seems to be in line with that. Uh, I think he's. It sounds like he might be looking to go back closer to home. Maybe even play with his brother at Southeastern Louisiana. Right. Uh, I mean, obviously he, we have not gotten official word he's hit the portal, but it is being. Reported that that is seems to be the way that they are leaning, uh, but I, I I do find it interesting that that he is not traveling with the team. That seems to point to he may have one foot kind of out the door and maybe leaning towards that portal more, even more than than we had previously seen r- r- reported and talked about. Yeah, and I know his his mother uh, has told folks that the family not very happy finding out about Brian Harson's firing on social media without before they were actually told and you know some people have said well this is a reaction from tj finley to brian harson's firing but i would then caution people to look back at last week because uh remember things were a struggle arkansas was winning tj was throwing the ball on the sideline and he was approached and asked to go in the ball or, or told to go in the ball game and TJ, another one of those players that, you know, he's never redshirted. He mm-hmm. played as a true freshman at mm-hmm. LSU and then as a true sophomore last year. He has played in four ball games. So TJ Finley could get a redshirt if he didn't play another snap this year. And when he was told to go in the ball game, TJ Finley went, I want to save my redshirt year. And I think I think that was the that was the final straw with Brian Harson and TJ Finley. 
so I don't know if, that it was so much being upset that Brian Harson was gone, mm-hmm. just TJ feeling like I guess it's time for him to to make a new start somewhere else. Yeah, and and honestly, in that situation, a game that's out of hand there in the last minute, I I kind of tend to side you want with. Burn a red shirt year yeah, then? No, yeah, I would. I I I side with with TJ a hundred percent there in that instance, but I, I I do find it interesting some of the 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 the. <laughs> reported frustrations that the Finley family has about not being kept in the loop with the firing of Brian Harson, and they want to be in the loop for, for the next coaching hire. I don't view that as very realistic. I think that, um, I, I doubt that John Cohen is going to be or rich are going to be calling up parents on the team, letting them know that, Hey, like we're leaning this way or we're talking to this person. I just don't see that happening. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I would expect, I, I don't expect T.J. Finley to to be on the roster when when spring football starts here in, in in a few months. No, now one thing I would expect, and and John Cohen and Rich McGlynn have already spoken to the team, and uh, and and I believe all the employees in the athletic department. I would I would uh, imagine they will be keeping in touch with players, especially if there is any indication or word that the players are going into the transfer portal to have them. You know, don't rule Auburn out just in case. I'm sure they wouldn't be able to say, look, here are the top guys on our list or or which coach would you like for us to go after mm-hmm. or anything like that. But I'm sure they would say, you know, don't rule things out. Things can change and keep an open mind. Yeah, I, I, I think that's going to be something that you see play out. I mean, when you talk about that possibility, what jumps to mind is a guy like Landon King, a guy who who signed with Auburn without a sitting head coach. So like he came to Auburn for Auburn and it and he was one of those guys that wanted to to take a red shirt that that was not given the the opportunity to so he ended up leaving the team announcing his intentions to transfer. Could he be one of those guys that uh and then you you think about a guy like Tavares Dawson. Uh right. those type of guys could a new coach convince them to come back? I think that that's that's certainly on the table and uh I think both of those guys were actually signees in that early signing period without a sitting head coach at the time, if I recall. And I think that you you can absolutely see see that take place under with, with, with whoever is named the next head coach here at Auburn. Yeah, Landon actually. Yeah, Landon signed when Kevin Steele was the interim head coach, mm-hmm. and Tavarish had committed to Gus and then didn't sign, but then uh, did sign in spring after mm-hmm. Brian Harson was the coach. That's so, it. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't be shocked to see either of those guys, you know, take a second look. The other thing to remember is, all right, so they can go into the portal now that Auburn's made a change, mm-hmm. and they've got thirty days. Basically, they will have till the end of November. Um, that I mean, they've got till the end of November to go into the portal. But you know, classes don't end at Auburn until the first week of December, mm-hmm. so they're going to be at Auburn taking classes, and if Auburn can. And I, and I feel right now that the the likelihood is is very high that Auburn will have a coach in place before the semester ends because the Alabama game is that uh, Saturday after Thanksgiving. There's a week of classes after that. I think Auburn will have a coach before classes end and before finals, and that would give players an opportunity to meet the new coach and, and make a decision as to whether they're going to go ahead and take some visits or perhaps go ahead and and um, you know, sign back up for classes in the spring. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that Auburn's going to try to fill that that head coaching role as close to the clock hitting zero in the Iron Bowl as possible. But the interesting thing there that that I do I would like to to get your thoughts on 
two of the candidates being talked about right now, Dan Lanning and and Lane Kiffin, there are legitimate paths for both of them to make it to con- to conference championship games. Even Dan Lanning, I would say it's probably likely that that Oregon will be playing for for the Pac-12 championship. How much of a wrench is that to throw into this 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 machine that is the Auburn coaching search? Well, the championship game is it would be that following Saturday mm-hmm. the fourth. That would be as late as you would like it. Like we were talking yesterday, um, you know, didn't didn't Lincoln Riley coach in the uh, Big Ten champion Big Twelve championship game, and the next day be the head coach at Southern Cal? So it's not unprecedented. It's not probably what either party would really like. They prefer they'd like to have someone in place a little sooner. If you're Auburn or if you're the school that's going to be losing a coach, you wouldn't like it to to happen the day after a conference championship game. Mm -hmm. But I would say as long as it doesn't appear that those teams would be making the playoff, then it's doable. But if a team's going to be in the playoff, that's a, that's a different story. It's tough to, you're going to poach someone whose team has the opportunity to play for a national championship before the season's done. And theoretically, I mean, both of those teams at least have a path to be in the conversation. But, of course, we saw last year Notre Dame was not that far away from making the playoff, and Brian Kelly jumped ship before that that decision was, was, was ever made. Lincoln, if I recall right, I think they were playing in Bedlam Winner went to the Big 12 championship game, and I think Okie State beat him, and then that next day was when he was announced at USC and kind of blindsided everybody because everybody thought he was going to go to LSU. Uh, yeah, that's, that's right. So, you know, I, I still think it's a long shot. It's probably if Ole Miss beats Alabama and wins the SEC, they're going to be in the playoffs. Well, you, you also have to keep in mind – if LSU pulls that upset this week, and LSU's in the, in the driver's seat because they they have that tiebreaker over Ole Miss. Alabama, that's true. That's true. I mean, Ole Miss, Ole Miss could beat Alabama and not make the SEC championship game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I I that wouldn't that be something? And then I mean, they don't exactly have the easiest road down the stretch either. That's what when I saw them get off to that that seven and zero start that that they did get off to the. The schedule was, I mean, it was after Auburn, it was, I believe it was the the LSU game, then they played Alabama. They still have, I think, a right. road trip to A&M. No, well, they, they, they already beat A&M. But they, yes, they've got three games left right now. Yeah. They've, Alabama at home, they've got an open date, Alabama at home, they're at Arkansas, and then they've got Mississippi that's State. That's it, Arkansas. But, yeah, I mean, that's, but, that's but not an Arkansas easy stretch at all. I mean, yeah. that, that's a tough stretch down oh, yeah. these final three. A physical stretch, a very physical mm-hmm. stretch. But if they beat Alabama, um, they've got a great shot of being at least in the conversation, whether they make the SEC title game or not. The the crazy thing, and I saw somebody else say this today, and I wonder how Auburn people would feel about this. If you really want Lane Kiffin, do you do you need Ole Miss to beat Alabama, or do you need, do you need Alabama to beat Ole Miss? Yeah, I was I was talking about that earlier today, and I and I think that. Because I don't think LSU LSU is going to beat this Alabama team tomorrow, so I think you you kind of need to root for for Alabama to beat Ole Miss to secure the fact that Lane Kiffin is not in the SEC championship game and help your make it as easy as possible on your timeline if you're Auburn to to install him as the head coach and just I mean if we, if if they go the Lincoln Riley timeline of right after the next day after the 
the final game. Ole Miss's final game is on Thanksgiving, so you could you could have Lane Kiffin in attendance in in Tuscaloosa watching his his next team on the field against Alabama. Yeah, so I I, I agree, and and the probably the safest way for Auburn to be able to think they could get him is, is for something bad to happen to Ole Miss. Of course, they have to take a little of a luster off of off of Lane right now. Alabama, the next two weeks going to be really interesting. I know you feel like Alabama is going to sort of uh, control LSU throughout. I've got a feeling that's going to be a closer ball game than that. I wouldn't pick LSU to win straight up. But I think fair, LSU, fair. LSU has gotten so much better. Agreed. The, the, key, the key to me is how healthy is Bryce? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, even when he's been banged up, we've seen him play at an elite level. Yeah, I mean, against he, he he looked like he the ball was floating. I thought against Mississippi State. If there's a problem with his shoulder or something, and that ball's floating a little bit, that could be a crazy game down in Baton Rouge. But even if, with a win there, that's the thing. They while Ole Miss has got the open date, Alabama's playing in Baton Rouge before uh, Ole Miss um, gets to take on the Tide next week. Yeah, it just to me, I I feel like I've seen this this story play out before between Alabama and and LSU, where there's all this hype, this LSU team that's gotten really hot. I mean, I I think back to 2018, that was a really big game, really hyped up, and then Alabama goes to Baton Rouge and shuts them out 29-19, and it feels like this is the kind of formula we have seen in the past where. Enough hype is generated, night game in Death Valley, and then Alabama just rolls. And that's, it's burned me too many times getting my hope up to seeing a an LSU team compete in, in this type of environment and then watching them come out and get flat and kind of just get dominated that I'm just going to, I'm going to lean towards Alabama handling this game and, to, and let LSU prove me wrong. Well, I don't blame you. I've seen it a lot more times than you have. I mean, Alabama <laughs> has owned LSU down in Baton Rouge. Yeah, they, I mean, they're, they, they, they own that series, what, 55, 26, and 5? And, and and it's much more one-sided there than mm-hmm. it is in Tuscaloosa. But the thing to me is there's just something that doesn't seem – Alabama doesn't seem to be quite the same mm-hmm. this year. I think, you know, all the hype – all the talk about their defense being one to challenge the Georgia defense from last year, that – has not been the case. They mm-hmm. had better be able to get after Jaden Daniels and not allow him to break contain, or or that could be uh, that could make things much more interesting for LSU. Oh yeah, I'm absolutely. I I 100 agree there with the fact that this this Alabama team feels more uh, mortal than 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 the ones of years past, and the fact that I feel like that that passing game is just so hampered by the fact that for the first time in years. There's not a dominant first-round receiver, or at times they've had two, three, four guys out there that that are first-round draft picks. And the passing game doesn't feel quite as explosive. The defense hasn't been quite as consistent. But, I mean, they they do have guys, they have talent, they have the recruiting stars out there. And I think at some point, does does a flip switch on for for some of these guys, and they really turned it on and and start looking like the Alabama teams that we've become accustomed to? Yeah, it's hard not to expect that to happen at any time. All right, uh, twelve minutes away from five o'clock, we need to get to our final break of our number one final segment with Carter, and uh, love for you to join in on the Kia of Auburn Hotline here on the Friday Drive. Um. 
time to churn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final few minutes of hour number one here on this Friday afternoon. Bill, Carter Bird here. Uh, Carter with us for a few more minutes. And again, a uh, couple of things out there. Love to get your thoughts. Here we are, uh, you know, the fifth day in in Auburn's um, situation without a permanent head football coach. Love to get your top three. You're John Cohen. You're in his position. You've got three calls you can make. Who are you going to call? Who are your top three calls for the 2023 Auburn football head coach? Anything on your mind sports-wise as we continue here on this Friday? You know, looking around, I mean, obviously you've got two huge games in the SEC. We were talking about Alabama and LSU, and you got the Tennessee-Georgia game. And the uh, the matchup there of the, you know, unstoppable object, the, the unstoppable force, the, the immovable object. There in uh, the Tennessee offense and the Georgia defense, mm-hmm. it's crazy to me that Georgia is as big a favorite as they are in that ball game. It's almost, it's almost too much. It seems like too obvious that you ought to be taking Tennessee. I just wonder what do the odds makers know to have Tennessee and you know an eight to nine point underdog for the number one team in the country. Yeah, that that one stuck out to me for sure when I. When you look at it, I think maybe even some places the line opened as Georgia as a 12.5 point favorite. And then I think I saw the stat yesterday, 92% of the, of the bets on this game are coming in on the Tennessee side. And that's what's driven the line all the way down to 8.5. It still feels big, especially when you're talking about the number one team in the country. And they've been as explosive as, as they've been this year. I have, and I do think that this is a test that Georgia has not really seen all year. And and that that's what I thought was unique about this this final stretch for, for Georgia was they play Florida, then they play Tennessee, then they get um I believe they, they, they play state state in Kentucky. Yeah, and, and all four of those teams are kind of completely different offensively, and it's gonna be four different challenges. But this one is by far the the most explosive one of of the group. I mean, the fact that uh, Tennessee's been held below f- below forty points just twice gives you an idea of just how explosive they've been. They're they're averaging like forty nine points a game, and I think it's going to be a really tough test for this Georgia offense that we've seen this year. At times, will go dead silent and won't have a pulse for large stretches of games. If they have that happen in this game. And they have to play catch up. I'm not sure they can do it. Yeah, Georgia's going to have to be able to run the ball, and they're going to have to uh, try to see what they can do. One thing, Hendon Hooker, I believe, has been pressured. Uh, he, he is Tennessee is among the nation's leaders in fewest pressures allowed. Georgia's going to have to get after Hendon Hooker. And like I was talking about, Alabama with Jay, uh, with, with Daniels, is they're not going to. They can't let him break containment either or, or pick up yards running. It doesn't look like he's running that fast, but, man, he picks up yards when he gets going. Yeah, I mean, it's it's 
it's going to be a fascinating game. I cannot wait to watch how it goes. I mean, when you see uh, Hyatt for for for, L- or for Tennessee, his receiving numbers are crazy. He has 14 receiving touchdowns this year, and that just blows my mind to think about because, I mean, 14 feels like an astronomically high number that you only see really out of, what, like Devonta Smith, and it's like a Heisman caliber uh, number. But he's not even in, in in the conversation. Yeah, well, he's he's going to pick up some awards, though. I mean, Belichick's got to be looking at him, you know, and those folks. But what what a great great year, Carter! Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate you uh, helping out here in the first hour. Absolutely. Hey, I, I'm I'm glad I could join it. It was fun. I I enjoyed kind of talking Auburn, talking college football, and uh, to talking about the weekend that we could see uh, in uh, around the country, really. Oh, yeah. We'll talk more about some of the other games, talk some basketball, let you hear some Bruce Pearl and more. Love to hear from you as we head into hour number two here on the Friday Drive. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. I'm Doug Brown. Brooklyn Nets GM Sean Marks says the team has not considered cutting Kyrie Irving, who's been suspended for at least five games. Irving did send out an apology on Instagram, but Mark says Irving still has work to do. There is going to be some remedial steps and measures that have been put in place for him to obviously seek some counseling, you know, designated by the team from from uh, dealing with some anti-hate and some Jewish leaders um, within our community. Sean Marks, the Nets play the Wizards tonight in D.C. The new college basketball season tips off Monday. Kentucky coach John Calipari says he'd be stunned if preseason All-American Oscar Shibway is available for the opener against Howard, Shibway is coming back from a knee procedure in October. Bengals corner Mike Hilton is out for Sunday's game against the Panthers with a finger injury. The Chargers top two wideouts, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, both out for Sunday against the Falcons. Allen with a sore hamstring and Williams with a high ankle sprain. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive offers a great price and round-the-clock protection when bundling home and auto. It's one of those rare times where you can save money and get something great. Bundle today at Progressive.com. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Hour number two of the Friday Drive. Uh, Bill from the home studio, hopefully just one more time, uh, still recuperating, rehabbing from shoulder surgery at the excellent hands 
of the uh, good folks at the Orthopedic Clinic, our our number two sponsor of the drive every day. The Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. Dan, not with us today uh, under the weather. He had an event last night, and I don't know if he picked up uh, a bug or the flu there, but he's just been uh, feeling poorly all day. So our thanks to Carter Bird, who was in for hour number one. It's just you, our listeners, and me with Drew at the controls here in hour number two. So love for you to join in. We talked about a few things. Um, didn't really get that much into Auburn, Mississippi State tomorrow. Talked a good bit about some of the other games, Alabama, uh, LSU, Georgia and Tennessee. Um, and let's see, you know, we, we'd love, uh, as, as we continue the, um, the discussion about, you know, the search for a permanent Auburn head coach, the next full-time, uh, Auburn head coach. I I'd love to get your top three. Who would you like if you had the authority, you're in John Cohen's situation, you can make calls. Who would your top three candidates be for the Auburn head coaching position? Um, you know, that, um, let's see, we, we also talked a little about the SEC putting together a, a group to try to determine what to do to prevent fans from from rushing the field or the court following ball games, I think this latest stemming from the uh, the Tennessee fans charging the field after they went over Alabama. Nick Saban saying that Jermaine Burton and and his uh, players, other players, uh, were were um, in fear of what could happen to them. But you know, as I was saying in the first hour, what do you think can realistically be done? To prevent that, the monetary fines haven't seemed to be uh, anything that really slows folks down. I mean, a hundred thousand for the first two fifty um, for subsequent charges of the field or the court. Do you want? I mean, would it be something where we end up having to resort to putting some kind of fencing around the field to prevent folks from rushing the field, or was it? Would it be? Strict penalties for anyone who is apprehended uh, rushing the field. 334-321-1390. And let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And James is up first. Hey, James. Hey, guys. Um, I'm not rushing the field real quick. I don't know how you're going to fix that. Uh, personally, I think you might need the entire Marine Corps, maybe the National Guard or some combination of both, but I don't see you going to stop that anytime soon. And, uh, you know, I, I hate it for the Alabama players, but, you know, that's what happens when you make people hate you so much, they want to hurt you. <laughs> well, when it's such a big deal that you lose. I mean, that's the thing. I agree. I just, I, I just don't know how you're going to stop it now. So, Yeah, I, um, I really don't either. I mean, I understand. I mean, I could I could see there there being and hopefully it doesn't happen. But I mean, there could be a crazy situation where you know somebody who's um, imbibed way too much during the ball game runs on the field and thinks they're going to show how you know how big and strong they are and take a shot at a player and and that could just be you know terribly ugly. 
Yes, and people are crazy today. We all know that. We see You're that right about that. There are a lot of crazy people walking around. Uh, talking about the coaching thing, if it was me, I would go get Lane Kiffin. I, uh, I mean, I might look at Lanning, maybe some others, but I'd make a, I'd, I'd go over there to Lane Kiffin and make him tell me no to my face. You know, well, I think that's probably the the most prominent name or the, the name we'll hear the most because that's one of the things, you know, uh, I remember Barrett Salise saying that back in the middle of, you know, uh, before Auburn, right after they lost to Penn State, I guess, saying, look, that's what Auburn needed to do. Make Lane Kiffin yeah. say no. And and I can't, I can't argue with that. Uh, the only thing I just, I do have a little trepidation. I think you better have some other guys in mind. Because Lane's agent is Jimmy Sexton. And this just reminds me of some of those situations with Tommy Tuberville and other coaches that Jimmy Sexton works for, where it's a great opportunity for, for whoever that coach is. They're going to be getting a big raise, whether they're moving or not. That's true. Let me ask you this, Bill. What, what do we actually know? Because I've been told by several prominent people in the Auburn area that Lane Kiffin really won the job in 2020. What do we actually know about that? Do we actually know that Alan Green just did not go interview him, or was it somebody else's decision? I believe it was Alan Green's decision. Uh, Lane's Lane's people, let's put it this way, Jimmy Sexton let it be known that Lane would be interested in hearing, and I don't know if, uh, I don't know if Alan felt well, that was just a, an attempt to get Lane a raise or didn't pursue it, but it just didn't sound like Auburn uh, did did actually really check in and see if that was really, if there was anything really viable in there at all. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. Thanks, Bill. Hey, thank you for the call, James. 334-321-1390. Again, that's the uh, Kia of Auburn. Um, that's Kia of Auburn hotline. And, and I, you know, I wasn't privy, obviously, to those conversations, but there was there were a lot of folks at, at both places that felt like, man, it was it was a nervous time for Ole Miss because they felt like that Lane was interested. Now, things have changed. Obviously, the Auburn and Ole Miss situations have changed from two years ago. Lane is on the verge of his second straight 10-win season, and Auburn is on the verge of their second straight losing season. So maybe he's not as interested now. But um, just the fact that that he apparently was two years ago, I would think would be reason enough to to gauge his interest again. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Bill here in the home studio. As we said, there's some uh, uh, Auburn basketball played that exhibition game against Alabama Huntsville. They've got their season opener coming up on Monday. And today, Bruce Pearl, you know, pointing out that Auburn's not going to be 100 percent. Or right now, it doesn't look like they're 100 percent. With Janai Broom walking around in a boot, trying to get the uh, trying to get his his foot healthy. That um, Jalen Williams is uh, have having some migraines. Alan Flanagan having some stomach issues. Walk on Jalen Harper suffering the flu. So it, it'll be interesting to see how healthy Auburn is when they do play on Monday. Got a big weekend of football before that. Want to remind you that uh, coming up tonight over on our sister station, Wings 94.3, 
It's postseason football, 7A playoff football from Duck Sanford Stadium as the Auburn High School Tigers host Fairhope. So um, that's a big ball game. And if, if you're looking for something to do and want to check out some outstanding high school football, I would encourage you to uh, head over to the Duck this evening. Fairhope, a team that was ranked in the top 10 most of the season. Auburn High has been there all year long and, of course, had been number one, I believe. Scott said Fairhope made it into the top three at one point, so it could be a great matchup over at the Duck this evening. 6.30 for the pregame, 7 o'clock kick tonight for Auburn and Fairhope, and then another big weekend of college and pro football. I mentioned We mentioned a couple of the big games around the SEC. Another one that, that's uh, pretty interesting is the Florida-Texas A&M game, sort of like the the disappointment bowl because the the expectations for Florida were pretty high under first year coach Billy Napier, but the preseason expectations were sky high for Texas A&M. Number preseason number six team in the country, and now you know trying to win this ball game to put themselves in position to at least go 500 and make it to a bowl because. You know, they're, they're sitting right there with Auburn at the bottom of the SEC West. And A&M still has um, the trip to Auburn next week and LSU at home to wrap things up uh, with, with UMass in between the Auburn and uh, LSU game. So that ball game at A&M and Florida is about a four-point favorite in that game. So, you know, you just wonder... If the Gators knock off Texas A&M, you look around and there is uh, more than one of the uh, one of the odds makers that would tell you that Jimbo Fisher may be the next most likely coach to be fired, even with that eighty plus million dollar buyout. So that's a big one there. You know there aren't that many top twenty five matchups. You've got uh, Wake. At NC State, that's a 21 at 22. The crazy one, I mean, the, the absolutely crazy one appears to be the Texas-Kansas State game. Kansas State, of course, blew out Oklahoma State last week, 48 to nothing. Oklahoma State had beaten Texas. Texas is at Kansas State this weekend, yet that ball game's a pick'em. I can't figure that one out. We were talking about not really understanding the line for the Tennessee-Georgia game. I don't understand the line for the Texas-Kansas State game either. All right, uh, we're approaching our, our first break here of hour number two. Again, I'd love to hear your top three. Who are the top three coaches that you would be contacting? And, you know, a lot of times it's not the number one guy. It's not the number two. Sometimes it's not the number three. But who are your top three coaches for Auburn's head coaching position. We'll, we'll talk about Auburn, Mississippi State, and Cadillac's first opportunity as a head coach. Also let you hear some comments from Bruce Pearl as we continue just underway here in hour number two of the Friday Drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive. 
Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. 17 minutes after 5 o'clock here on this Friday afternoon. Hope everybody um, with, with uh, you know, good plans for the weekend it's you know it's not a not a home game this weekend auburn in, in starkville tomorrow night cadillac williams i think a lot of interest from auburn fans in this game just gonna see if they notice anything different i don't know that you'll see a lot of changes because there's only been a few days to try to make a few maybe a few subtle changes i do think auburn's going to really commit to trying to run the ball and hope they can keep the ball away from Will Rogers and company tomorrow night in Starkville. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if if this is a spirited effort by Auburn tomorrow night. I don't know that they'll win it straight up, but I sure do like Auburn and the points. 334-321-1390. Again, love to hear who your top three would be if you're um, you know making a list for Auburn's next head football coach. Anything on your mind, sports-wise? And let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Matt gets us started. Hey, Matt. Hey, guys. Just curious in your guys' opinion, if you think A&M were to make a change, I know it would be a lot of money and it's highly unlikely, but if they were to make a change, who do you think they would go out and get? Who do you think would be first on their list? I would not be shocked if Lane Kiffin would be pretty high on their list. Yeah, me neither. I think um, I think we should be thinking about, like, well, let's think about if other teams um, make a move, who would they get, and see if we can snag that guy before they um, they have an opening there. I would agree uh, Lane Kiffin would probably be um, the top of their list to unlock their um, bad, bad recruiting class that they got. Um, that's all I got. Thanks, guys. And, you know, what's interesting is, of course, last year Ole Miss was a little better defensively, and Lane's defensive coordinator last year is now Texas A&M's defensive coordinator this year, D.J. Durkin. Uh, Lane was lamenting the fact that, you know, he got outbid for DJ Durkin in the off season and Texas A&M, Texas A&M thought they had, you know, an offensive guru, a quarterback whisperer, and their offense hasn't been anything special at all since Jimbo's been there. So now, you know, they'd look at somebody like Lane Kiffin. And that's one of the things when we talked about making changes mid season, one of the reasons is to try to get a, a jump start, a head start, if you will, on other schools that might make changes later. So even though you're most likely not going to be announcing the hiring of somebody who is coaching somewhere else, you can at least get some of that groundwork, a lot of the groundwork uh, laid. 334-321-1390, and Hank is up next. Hey, Hank. Hey, Bill. Uh, just a couple quick thoughts here. I have no idea who a top three for me would be, but uh, talking about Dan Lanning, I think that's a pretty good, uh, I think that's a good name, if, especially if, if Lane Kiffin's not a possibility, then uh, I like the things I've heard about Dan. Sounds like he was a really good recruiter at Georgia, and uh, the things he's done at Oregon, I know they were, he didn't take over a dumpster fire by any means, but uh, he's really done well developing that team in year one. Bo looks really good, and uh, the offense is a uh, you know, has been unstoppable so far outside of that Georgia game. You know, it's funny. I was telling somebody a little earlier before before we were on the air, I was talking with someone and I said, um, one of the things that I thought was interesting last year, 
Uh, Dan Lanning was being mentioned for a couple of jobs. Had no idea he'd get an opportunity like Oregon, you know, right there off the bat. But the guy that I heard Dan Lanning compared to was a young, brilliant Will Muschamp. And it's like Hmm. energetic, uh, maybe not quite as volatile as Will, but a brilliant defensive mind, but someone who they, they, they just felt the future was so bright. I don't, I know there are a lot of people that um, either don't remember this, but I mean, there was a time when, you know, when Will was the head coach in waiting in Texas, he was the hottest assistant in all of college football, a dynamic recruiter, very personable. Um, I mean, a uh, just had everything that appeared going for him. He just hasn't, he, Will was never able to either find an offensive coordinator that could get things going offensively or maybe keep his hands out of the offense a little bit. But apparently Dan is the kind of guy that uh, leaves his, you know, he's left Kenny Dillingham, the offensive coordinator, completely alone and looks like, uh, you know, one of the hottest young coaches in the country. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got the SEC experience and the uh, recruiting that would be necessary. So I think that's definitely somebody to look at on another one uh one concern i would have with Deion sanders i know there's a lot of talk about him he kind of reminds me i live in memphis and so i've watched the whole penny hardaway uh situation take place i think that's a great comparison there that's a great comparison. i like penny and i like what he's done for the city and he's been a i think a great person for the team but He's gotten a lot of recruits, but he hasn't done much with the team as far as winning big games and and taking them to the next level. It's he's gotten the recruits in, but could somebody like Dion take the next step and coach, uh, you know, big time games to win and take it to the next level? I don't know. Penny's kind of hit a roadblock with some issues in Memphis, and I kind of wonder if Dion might be looking at, uh, you know, a similar situation there. That's a great point. I had somebody mention that yesterday, and it's 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 hard not to to see that that concern. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that's going to be the same thing with Dion, but you have to think about that and go, well, what if? Because you don't know yet how things are going to relate when he gets to the Power Five and the and especially in the SEC. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's all I got. Thanks so much, Bill. Have a great weekend. Yeah, great stuff, Hank. Appreciate the call. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. What are the odds? We go back-to-back Hanks. Hank, too. How you doing? Good, good. I appreciate you taking my call, Bill. Um, I'll give you my first two names, uh, Lane Kiffin and Dean. Who I do not want Auburn to hire, uh, and that's Hugh Freeze. Um, And I'll give you two reasons, that I, and I'd like to get your thoughts on it, two reasons that I don't think I don't think Auburn should hire Hugh Freeze. Um, the first is everybody says, oh, well, you know, he recruited great at Ole Miss. Um, and, yeah, he was paying players, but that's legal now. And I think that – and I think even Jason Caldwell maybe earlier in the week said that. And, and the problem with that logic is that, yeah, it's legal now, but now it's legal for everybody. So the right. advantage that he, he had at Ole Miss – is not going to be there, and um, you know, so I'm just not convinced that he's going to be able to recruit at the same level in the SEC that he was able to do at Ole Miss. 
I think that's um, a, that's a great point. He's not going to have the advantage of oh, we're we're taking care of you more than other people can. I think Auburn's going to be able to Auburn's going to be able to offer uh, nil wise what anybody can. But that's a that's a great concern. And the other thing is, you've just got to know beyond the shadow of any doubt that he's never going to do anything to embarrass you. Because if he does, then it'll be you know well you should have known better before you went out and hired somebody like you. And he also, you know, he struggled his last year at Ole Miss. He have something like that, have four, have four good years, and then have a fall-off in year five, and Auburn fans are going to feel like, oh, here we go again. We've been through this before. Yeah, and that, and that gets me to my second point is, you know, I know he had the personal issues at Ole Miss. I mean, we assume there were personal issues, the numbers that, that were showing up on his phone. Um, but – you know, I'm, I'm willing to forgive him for that, but he hasn't really shown good judgment at Liberty when it comes to personal issues. He's a great no. offensive mind, but when you're when you're direct messaging girls who have sued the university for issues regarding sexual assault to defend the athletics director as to what they said, as somebody who works in, let's just call it risk management, that's that's not good. Like that shows no. poor judgment, and I just I just think he could get Auburn in trouble. And I'll give you one more reason, just because it came to mind as you were thinking or as you were talking. And Ole Miss, he, I mean, yeah, he beat Alabama a couple of times, and he had some good teams, but he didn't. You know, his his teams weren't that great. I don't remember him having a whole lot of you know bowl success or postseason success. But I could I could be not remembering correctly on that. He's been pretty good in bowls. He had one ten win season. I believe he went seven he won seven, then eight, then nine, then ten, then five. Appreciate the call, Hank. Yeah, great stuff. And and again, just right now, I don't feel that Hugh Freeze is among the top two or three candidates. I mean, that doesn't mean he might not be and might not end up being the top candidate, but the feeling right now is he's probably not there. Among the top couple. All right, we'll get one more call before our bottom of the hour break. And Casey is up next. Hey, Casey. Good afternoon, guys. I'll go quickly through my top three. I think right now Lane Kiffin is a solid number one because he he is very good at the transfer portal. His actual matured uh, a lot since he's been coaching uh, at USC. Um, he's very he has very good offenses. Um, they're very good. I mean, the guy can call a touchdown when he sees it on the field. Um, yeah. Best play caller I think we've seen in a long, long time. Absolutely, and his motions get really up under the skin of a lot of defenses that are really preeminent and run man defense, which I think is the only defense um, other than some zone. Um, secondary, you know, <clears throat> Sonny Dykes maybe um, because he has absolutely been successful everywhere he's been. He's taken TCU already and turned them around um, after Gary Patterson was let go. If he can hire and show the boosters a plan of how he can recruit the South, um, he's already been somewhat close to the South. Um, that would be like one of my experimental coaches if we if we hit if we strike out. Um, I would he's hire him over now. anybody from. Yeah, I would hire him over somebody like y'all were talking about from Coastal Carolina first. Um, somebody like that would be a backup backup, but I don't think we can experiment with this hire. I mean, it's got to be something solid. Um, I think you're going to see an effort to, to make sure that the, that there is a, a strong knowledge, and that would probably be an experience recruiting in the Southeastern Conference. 
Absolutely. Uh, I, I just think Sonny Dykes, though, if, if we had to have a backup, would be a really oh, good yeah, option. Oh, yeah, he do a lot worse. Hopefully he brings uh, uh, Garrett Riley with him, too. Well, the music means we need to get to our bottom of the hour break. Yeah, if we have a chance, we'll let we'll play some Bruce Pearl from today, previewing the season opener on Monday night. But your calls come first. Give me your top three. Who are the first three first three folks you call gauging their interest in the Auburn head coaching job? Not anything on your mind sports-wise as we head into the final half hour here on Friday. Get back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive, final 25 minutes here on this Friday afternoon. Uh, Bill with you. Hopefully, uh, Dan better over the weekend. He's a little under the weather today, and a lot of people are sick. Be careful if you're out and about. I mean, uh, the weather looks like it's going to be nice, but a lot of folks, a lot of the flu and, um, you know, things like, like that. Hopefully, it's not the flu, but, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of cases of the flu going around. So, uh, hopefully, everybody has a, a good weekend and comes through it healthy. Now, um, you know, speaking of the weekend, again, we, we talked about some of the games around the SEC. Here's the, the entire schedule uh, in the SEC. We mentioned a few of the games. You know, Alabama LSU is the, the night game. Tennessee Georgia is the mid-afternoon game. Auburn also playing Mississippi State at night. You got Florida and Texas A&M that we talked about a little bit. Liberty at Arkansas. You know, we were talking Hugh Freeze just a few minutes ago, um, an opportunity for Hugh Freeze to make a statement for himself. And I don't think there's any question he would be very interested in the Auburn job. Uh, he had uh, a couple of daughters that, that went to school at Auburn. One graduated, the other one went to school at Auburn for a while. Um, so that'll be an interesting game to keep an eye on. Uh, other games involving uh, SEC teams, you've got um, Kentucky at Missouri. You would think Kentucky, although you know Missouri has been so close to winning a lot of games, wasn't just the Auburn game where they almost won and didn't. So that one may be a little closer since it's at Columbia, but you would think Kentucky is going to win that one. Uh, South Carolina at Vandy, that should be win number six for Shane Beamer and the uh, the Gamecocks. Uh, and I believe that is, uh, yeah, I believe that pretty much wraps it up because of the other SEC matchups. And Ole Miss is the only team with an open date. That's the last team to get an open date in the SEC of the Ole Miss Rebels this week. Also, uh, as we said, um, Auburn basketball coming up on Monday. The, the Tigers open the regular season after they had the exhibition game against Alabama Huntsville the other night. And Bruce Pearl. Um, today, spent a few minutes with the media as the uh, Tigers get ready for George Mason on Monday night. 
And while we've got a little bit of time, let's let you hear some of the comments from the Auburn basketball coach. The, where, the part where I start preparing you guys for George Mason to win a national championship and you know be the best team on the schedule. And let me just take the words out of your mouth. So, uh, But you're right. That's exactly what I'm going to try to do. Um, so, you know, George Mason um, came in a few years ago and actually led at halftime. Uh, we had jumped on them pretty good, and you know they're 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 a talented team. They're a really veteran team. They have three grad grad transfers, they have two seniors, and one junior in their top six players. And their top six or seven players are really really good. Um, and a couple of individuals that are at their position are going to be matchups that'll be as good a matchup as as our guys you know will have. Uh, I know Kim English for a long time. Uh, I was a big fan of his as a player. Um, and have a little bit of a relationship with him. He's one of the bright young coaches in college basketball, and he's already off to a great start. Last year they went down to Georgia, beat him start to finish, um, beat Maryland at Maryland, which is a huge game, obviously, for George Mason in that market. Um, and it was a five-point game with three to go at Kansas last year. Uh, and these guys bring a lot of people back. Um, so when you think about our team, uh, we've, got some, we've got a few veterans, but we also have some really young players. Um, you know, when Yoan uh, Treyor is out there, he's going, to be going up against a guy that's four or five years older than he is. Um, you know, same thing would be true at a couple of other positions. So um, um, I thought that um, what we saw in the exhibition the other night was sort of more the same, and that is, you know, um, great balance. Um, it was great to see Al um, move like he moved, and he's consistently been practicing effectively. Um, particularly happy with his four assists and two turnovers, um, and just the way he played. Uh, obviously, Jalen Williams had a uh, incredibly efficient night, with the exception of foul trouble. I thought Trey Donaldson, um, as, a, as a freshman, was super solid and. Um, you know, this is a team that has got, um, you know, has got to continue to obviously work to get better. Um, and uh, so we're excited about getting started on the, on Monday. We do have some guys out. Um, so John I has been, you know, been in a boot since the game. He only played 10 minutes. There was some against uh, Huntsville. There was some thought about not playing him uh, just because he's had a bad ankle. Uh, he probably won't practice today. I think he'll play on Monday, but uh, that's gonna, that's a challenge for us. Uh, we got a couple guys that are out with the flu. Uh, Jalen Harper is out with the flu. Uh, Alan Flanagan is out with the stomach virus, uh, and Jalen Williams is out um, with a uh, with a migraine. And uh, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of flu going on around campus, and so we're, we'll be a little bit shorthanded today. Um, and today will be our only day to be in the main gym as volleyball's got two home games in the next two days. So we'll try to get a lot of shots today that, with the guys that are here and uh, and get ourselves ready to go. Question? George Mason spoke and made a lot of threes last season. You expect him to have the same kind of offense? Yeah, they've got great shooters. They'll put, they'll put three or four guys on the floor at the same time that can really shoot the ball, and they've got you know a, a tremendous post. Uh, on the inside, and Josh Adoro. I mean, Josh Adoro was the leading scorer in the A-10. He was the best big man in the A-10. 
And of course, the A-10 was the same league with you know, St. Louis. In fact, last year, you know, another another score, you know, St. Louis beat these guys in double overtime. St. Louis was just gave us all we can handle. So this this is a really tough opener. It is. It just is, uh, especially when you're playing an older, experienced team. Um, the good news about Israel is we had that experience. The bad news is Israel is everybody's got three tapes on us with our personnel. So they all saw those games, and we have nothing on George Mason. So they have an advantage. But Odoro, is, he can score it. Uh, he's a hard guy to play one-on-one in the post because he's so good one-on-one. But you come off him, he's an even better passer. Tough, tough matchup. And you were expecting UAH to take a lot of threes. How do you think you got you guys did guarding perimeter? I thought we did a good job guarding perimeter. Um, and you know, we made seven. You know, I thought we, we wore them out a little bit. Um, and um, that was a key to us being able. That's that was the, that would be that was the only way Huntsville could beat us is from three. This team can beat us from three, free and two. Yeah, it, it is promising. Um, it is. Um, they're both good freshmen. They're both good players, and they're both getting better. But j- but they will play somewhat like freshmen. They just will. So you see the talent. You see the you know the work ethic. Uh, Trey is an older soul, having been a football player and being you know, he's, a, he's he's a, he's a more mature kid. Um, you know, Yo is is. And again, the word talent just gets thrown around where it gets misunderstood. He's got so much upside. He's got such a great body. He's worked on his body. He's got a lively body. He's such a good athlete. He's, he's got some skill level because he can shoot it and put it on the floor a little bit. And um, He's just extremely young in the game. And he's going to be going up against a guy um, in Devontae Gaines that has just, you know, been doing this for a long time, you know. Um, and, um, you know, Monday night, Devontae Gaines, for example, will have the advantage because he's played in 80 college basketball games. And this will be Yo's first. Um, Yo's got great, great upside. Um, and so, uh, you know, same thing with Trey. You know, Trey will be playing against guys that have transferred in and older players. So that'll be our challenge. Bruce, you guys still. Story that your starting lineup and playing rotation. Yeah, I mean, I got I got groups of guys that I feel comfortable playing together, uh, groups of guards, groups of bigs, um, and um, I, I don't, you know, I think because there there hasn't been the, again there's the good news is, and my starters won't love hearing this, but but there hasn't been great separation between my starters and they're coming off the bench. But the good thing is we don't drop off, so. You know, we'll see who starts and we'll see we'll see who finishes, but it, it may not be the same every night. Okay. I just think there's going to be a lot of um, we'll, we'll 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 play ten man rotation. I would I would anticipate, and um, so that'll be again. We've got to be able to, we've got to go to our strength and I think that's 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 our strength is our depth. Okay. Very good. All right guys, thank you.
And uh, so, so Bruce Pearl, as the uh, Tigers get ready for George Mason, apologize for if uh, there was there was a problem with that, a little uh, low audio there, and I was I stepped away for just a second, but back. Auburn, George Mason opening the season, and, and as you heard, I mean, not at full strength, at least going into the weekend. Hopefully everybody is good to go on Monday uh, for the uh, for the opener against George Mason. Hey, so we'll have that on Monday when Brian Matthews is with us. We'll be looking forward to that. Looking back at the Auburn-Mississippi State game, and really intriguing to see, you know, how the Tigers uh, play. We mentioned a little early T.J. Finley not making the trip with the Tigers to Starkville, and it looks as though, you know, his, his time at Auburn uh, could be could be done. He hasn't played in a while. Apparently was asked to go in the go- game or told to put on a helmet go into the game last week and did not because he wanted to save his redshirt year, and I can't completely blame him for that at all. So we'll see where, uh, where we next see T.J. Finley, but... Uh, you know, Auburn, so Auburn has had four receivers make it official that they're going into the portal. All those guys had already said they were going into the portal at a later time. But once the coaching change was made, went ahead and entered the portal. Haven't heard anything official from TJ, but it looks like he will be joining those guys. And as we've said, you know, classes go on at Auburn the week after. The classes don't end until the week after Thanksgiving. And then finals come after that. So hopefully Auburn has a coach in place and can uh, can at least talk to the players that they would like to uh, you know reconsider or consider staying at Auburn. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Still time for you to join in. Love to know your top three choices. Who do you have in your top three as far as the next Auburn head football coach? We'll get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us as we wind it down here on the Friday Drive. Live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final five minutes or so here on The Friday Drive. Still time for you to get through. Love to hear your thoughts. Anything you think about uh, going on this weekend? Do you think Auburn's got a shot in Starkville? I think I think they can play it. Uh, if, last time I looked, Auburn was about an 11-point underdog. I think they can keep it closer than that. Maybe they can win it, but you just feel like Auburn's got to be able to make some big plays without turning the ball over offensively. They're going to need to be able to run the ball. Boy, I would think that Tank Bigsby gets – um, probably his his largest number of carries this season tomorrow as they, they want to try to pound that Mississippi State team and try to keep the ball away from Will Rogers and company. State has struggled the last couple of ball games as well. They're coming off an open date uh, where you know trying to get their offense back together as well. So uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see you know just just what transpires tomorrow night over in Starkville. Um, you know, we, we've talked about folks' top three play, top three uh, uh, names on the list. I'm surprised nobody today has mentioned one that we, we've just briefly mentioned a couple of times, and that's Joe Witt Jr. Uh, JoJo was, um, you know, of course, 
grew up here in Auburn. His dad, one of uh, Coach Dye's best assistants, longtime um, uh, Auburn Athletics employee, and then with Tigers Unlimited. And you talk about a, a great recruiter. He owned Mobile. I mean, he really did. And, and an outstanding assistant coach as well. And then young Joe came along and, and uh, was an outstanding player at Auburn High, walked on at Auburn University, uh, had some injuries, but um, a, a very bright, knowledgeable Young uh, young coach who Bobby Petrino took with him to Louisville was the recruiting coordinator and an outstanding recruiter there before he moved on to the NFL and has had a very good career in, in the NFL. Now, I remember hearing a couple of years ago that he had no interest in going to college unless it was as a head coach. Is he too far removed from the college game because it's been that long since he's recruited? That I don't know, but... Um, I still think that's someone I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, he, he at least got some consideration. But uh, but anyway, I'm sure there will be more names moving up and down the list like I was talking about earlier, how Dan Lanning today seems to really be climbing the list. He does check a lot of boxes. I mean, he's a young, dynamic, energetic coach who is known for his recruiting, has strong ties in the southeast having been a graduate assistant at Alabama, the recruiting coordinator and assistant coach at Memphis before moving over and uh, moving his way up at Georgia to being the defensive coordinator before getting his first head coaching job at age 35 at Oregon and has the Ducks in the top 10. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see again. He's got about a $14 million buyout, and that may, that may seem exorbitant. Apparently, Auburn uh, is not going to let some numbers, I guess some zeros, dissuade them this time. At least that's the word that we're hearing now. We'll see if, if that continues over the next month. You know, it's odd. Here we are on a Friday night, and, of course, we've got playoff football coming up tonight. Auburn and Fairhope, we've mentioned that a couple of times over at Duck Sanford Stadium. Scott Bagwell, Rob Pate, Jack, bringing you all the – uh, all the action, starting with the pregame at 6.30 and the kick at 7 o'clock. But Major League Baseball season's not over here in the first week of November, but there's not a game on Friday. That seems odd because we had the rain delays, the Phillies winning two of the first three. You know, the first four games went win-loss, win-loss. Phillies, Astros, Phillies, Astros. Huge game last night for Houston as the Astros win. Justin Verlander finally, finally getting his first ever World Series victory. Pitched well, gave him five-plus last night. Bills had a couple of opportunities, could not come through, and now find themselves on the brink of elimination. And you got to feel like, well, the Astros are going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, they'll be back in action tomorrow night, and a great pitching matchup tomorrow night. As Zach Wheeler goes to the mound for the Phillies, the righty with a 12-7 record but a 282 earned run average, the exact same ERA that Framber Valdez, the outstanding lefty for the Astros, takes to the mound. Valdez 17-6 on the season. So uh, game six tomorrow night and, and very likely the last game. It's got to be, you know, everybody – 
available for the Phillies. Both teams right now are listing TBD uh, if Game 7 is necessary on Sunday. So, um, so the World Series will be done when we come back on Monday. Brian Matthews should be in the studio. Uh, I believe Dan's got another obligation. I think he's got a game Monday night. Just as as Auburn has the game against George Mason, I believe the Troy women open up on Monday. So Brian and I should have it with you on Monday. We'll uh, look forward to talking with Brian, getting his thoughts on the latest in the coaching search. Um, and, and, and of course, looking back at the Auburn-Mississippi State game, previewing the Auburn-George Mason game, and hopefully previewing, uh, talking a little bit, previewing, Auburn High in the second round of the playoffs. A lot going on this weekend, and uh, we're looking forward to being back with you on Monday. Thanks to Carter Bird for being with me in hour number one. Again, hope that Dan gets feeling better. I know, I know he wants to get feeling better for the uh, broadcast that he's got coming up on Monday. But Brian Matthews and I back with you on Monday after a full weekend. Looking forward to talking to you then. But that's going to wrap things up for the Friday edition of The Drive. Have a great weekend, everybody. We are out of here.